Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, we come to you now so dependent on you. Lord, as our great eye-opener to see what, Lord, has been hidden from the world but is revealed to your children. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 is our text this morning. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Okay, now, the Lord has been bringing us on this journey here as we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, as it's called, and we've seen him really guide us through each one of these commandments that he's been covering to turn the focus of our attention from the outward to focus to the inward. That's what he's been doing here. So for example, he takes the commandment to not commit adultery, and the Lord Jesus has now guided us to look deeply inside of our hearts, look deeply within us, to see if there's any lust causing a wrong look. And then he's taught us that that's a violation of the commandment to not commit adultery, for which we need forgiveness, we need cleansing, for which we must confess and repent. The commandment to not murder. The Lord Jesus, again, has guided us to look deeply inside of our hearts to see if there's any anger that's causing a sharp word. And that he's taught us, that's a violation of the commandment not to kill, not to murder, for which, again, we need forgiveness, we need cleansing, we have to confess, we have to repent. So all of this new understanding of our sin and of our guilt is all come as the Lord has guided us to look deep inside of our hearts and to understand that's where God's commandments are broken. God's commandments are broken with thoughts. And that was revolutionary at that time. It shouldn't have been because King Solomon said way back in Proverbs 24.9, in Proverbs 24.9, he said, it's the thought of foolishness that's sin. The thought of foolishness is sin. So now, the Lord is continuing with this same emphasis on the inward as the Lord turns to address the second most important commandment in the law, 
of which half of the commandments hang, as he said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. Matthew 22, verse 35, he talked about this commandment in a very interesting way when it said in Matthew 22, 35, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So this is a very interesting scene here. I mean, here it was a lawyer who came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine that, a lawyer of all the people that come to the Lord Jesus and ask a question about the law, a lawyer. And this was not an honest lawyer, this was not a sincere lawyer, but no, that can't be, right? <laughs> a lawyer that's insincere? Okay, that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, here was this lawyer that was not honest, he was not sincere, and he was the other kind of lawyer that really gives lawyers a bad name, that's what he was. He wasn't honest, he wasn't truthful, he's was just looking for an opportunity to trap the Lord Jesus, to get the Lord Jesus to say something that would make him look bad, that they could use against him. And so he comes with this question about the law, and on the surface, he appears to wanna know, to wanna learn about the law, he's a lawyer. On the surface, he, he appears to be sincere, and, and he wants to know, okay, what's the most important law in the law? And so the Lord, it's interesting, as we look at the Lord here, he's kind to this man, he is gracious, he knows what he's up to, but he's gracious to him, he's innocent, even though he knows he's trying to trap him, and so he answers the question in his very typical eloquence, and he's elaborating on the answer when he said that the greatest commandment is to love God, and then he continues on, the Lord Jesus continues on, and he turns again the focus to the inward as he elaborates, and he says, as the Bible says, love God with all the heart inside, with all the soul inside, with all the mind inside, and to love him with all your mind and your heart and your soul, to love God with your heart, with all your emotions, to love God with all your soul, with all your will, and to love God with all your mind. And he said, that's it. He said, that's so simple. The first and most important commandment is just to love God that way, with all the heart, with all the will, with all the mind. And that's the first and that's the great commandment. There's something very important to see in the Lord's answer there in Matthew 22, 37, in that context, Matthew 22, 37, when he said unto, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. What he's speaking about here, which of course is, was spoken way back in the law, in the Torah, was that the Lord spoke here and of the three parts of man. There's the heart, there's the soul, there's the mind. So he's really setting up a scene here like there's three different individual persons inside of a human. It's like the Lord is saying that inside of every human there is Mr. Heart, and there is Mr. Soul, and there is Mr. Mind. And all three of these persons inside of the human, they help each other to love the Lord. For example, when Mr. Heart says, 
Well, you know, I was up late last night and I'm tired and I just don't feel like loving God today this morning. I don't feel like reading his word, as Mr. Hart might say, as a feeling, center of feeling. Mr. Mind steps in and says, I know you're tired, but I've been thinking, as he's Mr. Mind, and unless you read the Bible this morning, you're not going to be prepared for the challenges that you're going to face today. And then Mr. Will, Mr. Soul, Mr. Will steps in and says, I will that you're going to read the Bible this morning. Or it could be that one day that Mr. Mind says, I've been listening to a lecture by an atheist. He reminds me of this, this fellow, Avalos, in the University of Iowa, who is the chairman of the religion department there. He's an atheist. <laughs> that makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he, the co-author of the book um, Privileged Planet, Guillermo, is a great astronomer, astronomer there, Many, many publications, and this Avalos got a, a petition together to deny him tenure just because he was involved in writing that book on the privileged planet, which demonstrated that in the universe there are two things. There is design and purpose, design and purpose. Anyway, okay, Mr. Mind has said, could say, I've been listening to a lecture by an atheist, and he's proving that evolution is the explanation for our existence, not God. Then Mr. Hart steps up, and Mr. Hart steps in, he says, the Lord loved us so much that he washed our sins away in his own blood. And I love the Lord, and it's time for you, Mr. Mind, to stop listening to this academic voices of deception and love the Lord. So this is the way that, this is just examples of how the three distinct persons of Mr. Hart, Mr. Soul, Mr. Will, and Mr. Mind, they all work together to love the Lord, and they help each other. And the Lord said, now there's a second commandment, there's a second commandment, which is similar to the first commandment. And that commandment is to love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, it's interesting the way he put it in verse 39, Matthew 22, verse 39, 22, 39, when he said about this second commandment, the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So he says the second commandment is like the first commandment, and the first thing you say is, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by the second commandment is like the first commandment? The first commandment is all about loving God. My neighbor is not God. So how is the second commandment like the first commandment? Well, what's important to see here is that as we look at this, we say the second commandment is like the first one, and you kind of think it through, and you go, and all of a sudden you go, ah, this is where the elaboration comes back in on how to love God how to love God with all the heart, the emotions, with all the soul, the will, with all the mind, the thinking. So the Lord is continuing on with this same thought when he says in verse 39 of Matthew 22, the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love the Lord, shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. When he says that in verse 39, Matthew 22, 39, the second is like unto it, he meant we are to love our neighbor also with our heart, with our solar will and with our mind. That means that here again, Mr. Heart, Mr. Soul, Mr. Mind, again are working together to love the neighbor as ourselves. That means that with Mr. Heart, Mr. Heart may step up and, and say, I don't like my neighbor. And then Mr. Mind steps in and says, I've been thinking that the Lord never said that you have to like him, he said you have to love him. <laughs> And then, and then Mr. Hart argues, well, I tell you, I don't like my neighbor and I don't feel like loving him. Because that's the feeling, Mr. Hart. And so then Mr. Will steps in and rebukes Mr. Hart and says, Mr. Hart, 
I don't care if you don't like your neighbor, Mr. Hart, love your neighbor when you feel like it, love your neighbor when you don't feel like it, love your neighbor until you feel like it. That's what Mr. Hart says, you know. <laughs> Mr. Hart, Mr. Will, they say to Mr. Mind, Mr. Hart, Mr. Will, they turn now to Mr. Mind and they say, how? You're the Einstein in this group, you're Mr. Mind, so how are we to love our neighbor? And then Mr. Mind steps in and again he says, okay, let me think about how we can love our neighbor. Let me think about what he needs. Let me think about what we can do to make him happy. I know he likes chocolate chip cookies. And Mr. Will steps in and says, yes, we will bake him chocolate chip cookies. Mr. Mind says, well, I saw he forgot to bring his trash cans up, so I've been thinking that we could bring his trash cans up for him. Mr. Will steps in and says, yes, we will bring those trash cans up for him, we will bake some cookies, etc." And so that's how the second commandment is like the first commandment, it's like the first commandment because it involves these three parties, Mr. Heart, the feeling, Mr. Will uh, from the soul with the willpower, the willpower that says, not my will, but thine be done, and Mr. Mind, and they're all working together to enable the person to love the neighbor as himself. Now he comes in, he, okay, so this is what he's saying here in this part here. Now we go back to chapter five, and when he's talking about this, he says again, you have heard that it hath been said, love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Now what's interesting here is that there's this missing of these words when he says, you have heard that hath been said. For example, when you look back on verse 21, on verse 21, he said, you have heard that it hath been said by them of old time. That's missing. Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill should be an edger of the judgment. You look at verse 27. Again, he says, you have heard that it hath been said by them of old time. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Again, in verse 33, he says, again, you have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself. So those were the teachings that were based on what was said by them of old time. In other words, they were based on the word of God. They were based on the prophets by them of old time. But instead, we're in another category now. This is the category which he used in verse 31. Verse 31, when he said, it hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a bill of divorcement. In verse 38, and missing by them of old time, verse 38, you have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Again, missing by them of old time. And these are the categories where the Lord is saying, I know what you have heard, and in the one case, you heard a wrong explanation of what the Bible says. Those are the teachings that he said, you have heard that it hath been said by them of old time. Now, the other topics that he's covering here are just that you have heard topics where he's saying, I know what you heard in this category. You heard either an addition to the word of God, for example, or you heard a re-explanation of the word of God in the sense that it says this, but it means that. So where we're in right now is this addition category where something is added to what God never said. Love thy neighbor, that comes right out of the Bible. That's in the Bible, that's Leviticus 19.18. Leviticus 19.18 says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But where does it say 
the last part of that in Matthew 5.43, hate thine enemy. Where did that come from, hate thine enemy? Well, I'll tell you, not from the Bible. And that's the reason why the Lord said, you have heard that it hath been said, and he didn't put the other part in there of old time. He didn't say it hath been said of them of old time because it wasn't said by them of old time. It wasn't said by them of the prophets who wrote the Bible that they were to hate their enemies. So he says, you've heard that it's been said, which shows that he knew very well what they were being taught. He knew that. And he didn't say that you've heard them of old time, you should hate your enemy, but he said, you've heard that it hath been said you should hate your enemy. They knew what they were being taught. They were being taught that it hath been said, in other words, not something new, it came along a long time. So now we think about it, it hath been said, you should hate your enemy. And now the question is, who said that? By who? It didn't come from the Bible, so the Bible didn't say it. Who said that? It's not in the Bible, and you should hate your enemy. So who did say that? If you were to ask the people, who said you should hate your enemy? And they would say, that. I can answer for you in one word. <laughs> tradition, right? Tradition, it's part of our tradition. And so you ask the people, how did this tradition get started? You know, the answer is, ah, I'll tell you, tell you, I don't know, but it's a tradition. So the Bible says, thou shalt love thy neighbor. The Bible does not say you should hate thine enemy. So in this verse, in this verse, as you have been heard and said, should love your neighbor and hate your enemy, that's the danger, it's the and. It should be thou shalt love thy neighbor, period. But this and, this brings in all the trouble. So the and is introducing the error. And this is so typical of deception. Deception never can stand on error alone. The devil never could have come into the Garden of Eden and said to Eve, I'm the devil, <laughs> I'm the deceiver, I'm the evil one, I'm the wicked one. I'm the one who's trying to destroy you. He can never do that. So he always has to come, as deception always comes, as an angel of light, always has to come with deception, always has to have some truth to bring in the lie. Deception is a curveball. It starts out, it looks like a straight pitch, and then all of a sudden the straight pitch turns into a curve. The straight ball is the first path in this verse 43, thou shalt love thy neighbor. The straight pitch becomes a curveball with the next part in verse 43, and hate thine enemy. Hate thine enemy comes from a tradition. And tradition is based on what they call today the oral law. Ah, they say, Moses, don't you know? Moses gave two laws. He gave the written law, which he wrote down, in the first five books of Moses, but then he also whispered a lot of things in the ears of the elders, and that's called the oral law, and it was passed on orally from elder to elder over thousands of years. It's been passed on, and they've been writing it down, trying to write it down over these thousands of years in the Talmud. So this tradition that the addition here, hate thine enemy, is based on, and what made it very interesting is that they could say, well, their literal neighbor is my enemy. So, you know, so I can hate my enemy. I can hate my neighbor. In other words, who the neighbor is was flexible and who the enemy was was flexible. And this is an example of what the Lord accused them of doing when, with their so-called oral law or tradition 
In Matthew 15, 1, in Matthew 15, 1, when it says, then came the, to Jesus, the scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And again, this is a very strong tradition. I've told you this before, that uh, one time I was, I was in the bathroom of the synagogue, and being the little squirt that I was, the young kid, you know, and so, you know, I went to the bathroom, and then I was, you know, gonna just leave without washing my hands, you know, but there was an old man, he had bony hands, I remember, and he put his bony hand on my shoulder. I looked up at him, and he says, Jews always wash their hands. He said that. I said, oh, I always wonder what a Jew was. He was a person who washed his hands, okay. But, <laughs> but this is what he's being challenged with here. He says, the tradition of the elders in Miss Matthew 15, 1. The tradition of the elders was that you wash your hands when you're bread. Well, where does it say that in the Bible? You have to wash your hands for you. It doesn't. It's not in the Bible, but it's a tradition. But he answered and said unto them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But you say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it's a gift, korban, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect. You might look at that and you say, what is he talking about? He says, thus have you made the commandment of God by, of none effect by your tradition. In other words, when your father and your mother need something, it would be honoring to them to give them that, and they want it, and they're putting their finger at it that their tradition was, but then you could say, ah, but that's a gift for God. You can't have that. I use it until I die because it's a gift for God, dedicated to God, so you can't have it, see? Oh, trick. So that was a tradition, and he says, okay, then you just made void the word of God. The commandment of God says, honor your father and mother by your tradition. Now, that sums up what he's doing in all of this teaching, very simple, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's exposing, he's exposing all this when he says in Matthew 15, 6, as we just heard, Matthew 15, 6, thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. So this is what he's doing here in the first part when he says you have heard that it's been said by them of old, you have heard that it's been said He's showing that their teachers were making the commandment of God of none effect by their tradition. And then this, it's the second section of his teaching when he says, but I say unto you, now he's, he's straightening it out. He's restoring the effect of the commandment of God. So by saying to lust after a woman in the heart was a violation of God's commandment, he is restoring the effect of the commandment of God to not commit adultery. When he's saying, don't get angry with another person to the point where you have sharp word, because that's a violation of God's commandment, he's restoring the effect of the commandment to not murder. So in this part of the teaching here on the Sermon on the Mount, he's on a mission to restore the effect of the commandments of God that have been taken away by the tradition of the elders. Their teachers had added in this case here that we're talking about, their teachers had added that you are to hate your enemies, and that's so far from what God commanded. For example, in Exodus 23, 4, Exodus 23, 4, it says, if thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him. 
If thou see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under his burden and wouldst forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help with him. So here God was telling them that if you're walking along one day and you see your enemy's donkey and he's broken out of his enclosure or his ox, that you're not to say, oh, that's the donkey of my enemy. I hope it gets really good and lost, you know, and I hope he never recovers with it. I'm happy with the loss. No, the opposite. You're to say, oh, that's a donkey of my enemy. I hate to lose something, especially something as valuable as an animal like an ox or a donkey. I feel his loss. I'm gonna stop what I'm doing. I'm gonna rescue the animal and bring it back to him. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 